0: Off to the UK, where just over a week ago they installed, well, yet another Prime Minister, once again without putting it to the people. So will Rishi, or very Richie, Sunak face any, or fare any better than Liz, whose letters length shelf life left behind a £40 billion financial black hole already? One of his cabinet members, Suella Braverman, is proving a problem. Welcome back, Ian Dutt. What's been the reaction to, uh, to this bloke getting the top job?
1: I mean, I suppose for the polling, the, the Tories will be pretty happy with it. They're still about 20 points behind, but that's 10 points less than they were when Truss was in charge. And he has, for the time being, and I don't think this will last very long, Sunak has pretty good polling on his own economic competence and his leadership skills. He, he sort of has a, a degree of popularity because he was the bloke that announced the furlough scheme during COVID. And so the first time that anyone saw anything of him was basically just this guy in government being like, I'm going to pay all your money for the next few years um, during a period of sort of intense anxiety. So, you know, it could be worse. He, he doesn't strike anyone really as an Election winner. Most analysts would say his job is to minimise the scale of the Tory defeat at the next election. But nevertheless, he at least looks steady, vaguely competent, and you can feel the sense of deep sort of relief in the marrow of Conservative MPs' bones at the fact that there's someone there who doesn't look like they're about to run screaming across the road naked in the middle of the night.
0: And the left have been making bad puns like me, haven't they, about him being very
1: rich? Yeah. I mean, he is he is incredibly wealthy. Um, there's no getting past it. He also has some pretty dodgy previous comments. So over the summer when he was running for leadership, he was in a place called Tunbridge Wells, which is a very tedious uh, and very well-to-do little town. Um, And he was sort of talking to Tory members there and said, look, I'm the one that made sure that we got rid of these funding schemes where all of the the state money would have been sent to disadvantaged areas and made sure that it could come to really nice little towns like this. So he has all of these moments that that are pretty dodgy. He also has some quite extreme politics when you start scraping under the skin of it. He comes across as this sort of centrist, corporate sort of MP type. But actually, I mean, especially during COVID, he was the one that was inviting in the sort of lockdown sceptics and all the various gibbering conspiracy theorists and then agitated to get rid of lockdowns before they're over or to delay them when they could have done some good he introduced the scheme called eat out to help out in the middle of the pandemic which cut right where the government basically paid for half of your meal if you ate out something which in and of itself helped spread uh, the virus. So really, he's, he's, he has some pretty dodgy previous on him. I'm not sure, however, that the Labour Party's attacks on his wealth will necessarily work. Voters don't tend to care that much about your personal wealth. They care more about what you're doing to their wealth. And on that, he's going to have a more difficult time.
0: You've had uh, concerns with some of the language being used about him. Globalist, for example.
1: Yeah, this came from Nigel Farage. Nigel Farage, you know, leader of uh, what used to be UKIP. Um, and is, he's, he's a very interesting litmus test uh, for the extent to which people who really are on the absolute hard right, very grubby, nasty areas of politics, can get their message out while keeping it respectable. He's, always, he's canny enough to know exactly how to pitch it so he doesn't just come across as you know an actual fascist. So he, said, he uses this word repeatedly, globalist, about Sunak. He's also used it about um, other politicians as well. Now, it's quite an interesting word, this one. It has antisemitic roots in the... The same way that the the word sort of cosmopolitan might have antisemitic roots and in the same way by the way that the use of the word north london as a slur tends to have antisemitic roots however in the current usage and it's used quite broadly now um it, it sort of strayed from antisemitism towards this sort of allusion to just general foreignness general otherness you know, the kind of, the metropolitan elites, those who, they're not really part of the people with a capital P. They're not really part of the country. They can't quite be trusted. They're connected to international capital. All of these dangerous, historic ideas and terms, they're all swirling around there. And that, I mean, people are sort of, you know, you might've seen that there was sort of Trevor Noah sort of monologue in the U.S. about a racist backlash against Russia. That absolutely is completely made up. It hasn't happened at all and cannot be found either among respectable commentators or really very much even in the grubbier corners of online. What you get is this kind of coded messaging that is far more pernicious and far more dangerous using words like cosmopolitan, words like globalist, and that's the stuff that we'll need to look out for in future, especially as austerity comes into play and there'll be more of an audience for that kind of rhetoric.
0: I don't know if you know this, but Nigel Farage has just had a sort of victory lap in Australia. Now, before we get on to the Braverman issue, has Sunak revealed any marvellous fixes.
1: No, well, they're starting to leak out where they're going to go with this stuff. So they're leaking out stuff around. Okay, so we're not going to do any cuts to the health service, but there won't be any more money for it, which in and of itself will be devastating for it. Um, Changes to social care. They've announced that it looks it's going to be 50-50 spending cuts to tax rises to make up for the billions in black hole that Liz Truss left over. We're going to find out more in two weeks' time. What we do know is that there's nothing left to cut. We've had 12 years, really, of austerity now, in one form or another. You look at something like the Ministry of Justice budget, basically the money spent on criminal justice in the UK, that's been cut by 25% from where it was in 2010. Over that period, we've seen inmates really sort of brutalized in jail i mean many of them you know they they stay in their jail cell for 23 hours a day because there aren't enough prison guards to take them to the education or the work training classes or to the gym that you would have in prison and the effect of that obviously is a complete failure of rehabilitation now you see that across the policy portfolio whether it's education or whether it's local services just think services that have been cut to the bone. So the very idea that they would now try to implement more cuts is extremely harrowing on the basic level of we're right down to the bone as it is. If you keep on cutting, you're going to break something. OK.
0: Home Secretary Suella Braverman, please.
1: Yes, yeah, Suella Braverman, um, easily the most pernicious uh, of the front bench. Um, had You may remember, lost her job in the last days of the Trust Administration over leaking uh, confidential government papers to her political allies on the back benches. She writes a letter of resignation um, after she was caught saying, oh, I've owned up, when I do a bad thing, I take the consequences and off I go. And then remarkably, just a few days later, less than a week, she's reinstalled by Rishi Sunak, so evidently she doesn't go off when she does bad things, uh, and has now come with... I mean, just a classic portfolio of inadequacy and immorality. The inadequacy relates to Manston Migrant Centre, which is where many asylum seekers who arrive on boats are kept. They're supposed to be kept there for no more than 24 hours. It's extremely dilapidated. It's not there for long-term accommodation. McBreverman was intent on making sure that they couldn't be sent off to the hotels where they would normally wait to find out about their asylum applications. So she has kept them there for weeks on end in terrible disease-ridden conditions. When she was challenged on this in the House of Commons yesterday, she came out and said that Britain was facing a, quote, invasion from asylum seekers in the South. Now, this is the language of the far right. This is the global language of the far right. Great replacement theory of this idea that sort of liberals and Marxists are conspiring to replace the ethnic indigenous uh, sort of race with immigrants and asylum seekers and ethnic minorities and so on. And to see her speak in these terms using that kind of language in the House of Commons from a Secretary of State was extremely disturbing, as you can imagine.
0: Why the hell has he reinstated her?
1: Because he was trying to keep the party together. I mean, we have now reached the point, you know, there's not even an inkling of a sense that you might put someone in a political position on the basis of their competence or, I mean, far less their specialism or their expertise or their knowledge of a subject area that absolutely is not even considered like something that might happen. The only basis upon which you are put in your position is because you are either loyal and need to be rewarded or you represent another wing of the party and therefore need to be kept on the ship. Now Braverman has become this sort of talisman of the right of the party. That's an odd thing to say in a way because Rishi Sunak politically, under any rational sort of political assessment, would be considered very far to the right. You know, he is an absolute laissez-faire free marketeer. In the old terms, he would have been a right-winger. In the new terms, he isn't because he still speaks in a way that accords some privilege to the concepts of reason and empirical reality and the right of the conservative party is increasingly defined not so much by its policy decisions but by um, a complete dismissal of objective reality a sort of idea that the will the personal will to victory is all that really matters and any recognition of external reality for instance through independent regulators or financial assessments by the office of budget responsibility is a form of treason against the british people it seems well, the reason only yes you need to keep uh, that wing on board, Sorry. and that's why he's now got himself into such a tremendous pickle by having this uh, comprehensively inadequate human being in such a senior position of state.
0: It seems only yesterday that a, a reality show called uh, The Apprentice spawned the presidency of uh, Donald Trump. You've got a, another reality show called I Am A Celebrity, which is shaking up your politics.
1: Yes, well, we do this I- in Australia. It's it's all of... um the most sort of turgid, dreadful aspects of our culture on show in this TV programme. And so we we sent it over to you guys and, and did it in the jungle. I suppose you guys aren't aware of it happening as it takes place. Well, but as a matter if of fact, you, it's, been, a it's being do filmed... you know the
0: format? Ian, it's being filmed on my farm, so I'm very conscious <laughs> of it, but... Uh...
1: So I mean it's a it's a deeply humiliating program you know people being forced to eat kangaroo's testicles and and sort of spiders and and snakes it's it's pretty horrible it's also kind of ethically dubious well more than dubious for the animals themselves anyway it's it's an absolutely horrible program and because of course the public votes for who they want to face those things the way it ends up happening is whoever is most despised is forced to go through all these absolutely terrible rituals one of whom is going to be Matthew Hancock who's the former health secretary of Great Britain and Northern Ireland who didn't get it waited to see if he could get a cabinet place with Sunak last week when he discovered he didn't signed the contract to go do this program and has currently just landed in Australia to go do it And you do sort of feel, I mean, I don't want to take this too far, but and I I know that it makes me sound like I'm just a a thousand years old, but I did sort of rather like the period where politicians at least aspired to a sense of gravitas and seriousness and authority rather than say, oh, well, apparently I can't get a cabinet position, so I'm going to go and eat a kangaroo's testicles on live television to prolong my career and to promote, apparently, to promote my ideas. This is his great argument. I need to do it because I want to talk about dyslexia. And you think, well, yes, there's a, there's a good chance you won't talk about dyslexia and you will spend the entirety of your time eating the testicles of dead animals. Nevertheless, that is what's next for Matthew Hancock. With the,
0: the UK facing soaring energy prices, soon to hit, hit Australia, there's uproar because BP has turned in such a whopping profit. Is Sunek planning to do anything about that?
1: Yeah, I mean, they're, they're going to buckle on windfall taxes on energy companies. They really have absolutely no choice. I mean, the level of public outrage is so severe right now that they have to move it. This was, of course, originally a Labour policy. Um, Labour themselves have been fairly cynical about it. I mean, they're, they're, they're not quite prepared to say how else they would raise money apart from this windfall tax, because, of course, the windfall tax is the only popular form of taxation that's really available. Nevertheless, the government will now buckle on it. Um, He won't be as deaf to public opinion as his predecessor was. She was a true ideologue and wouldn't move on it. He very much will. So I think we will see further taxes on those companies. I'd be very, very surprised if he doesn't go down that road. (laughs)
0: Look, before I let you go, Cynac's first big international appearance will be at COP27 climate conference. Will he be a star, do you think? Will he bring something to it?
1: I very much doubt that. I mean, until about an hour ago, he had no plans to go. He has a terrible record in the environment, really. I mean, very, very bad, actually, uh, for years. He was briefing over the weekend... know that he wasn't going to go partly because he doesn't really believe in climate change he's not interested in it and partly because he wanted to show how intent he was on dealing with problems at home he now had to change his mind partly because king charles was essentially subtweeting him by holding um events at the palace about climate change and boris johnson his predecessor but too so that he himself was going to go and was starting to steal his thunder. So suddenly we've had Sunak's very first, very, very humiliating U turn this morning. So he's going to go. On that basis, I would expect very little from what he has to contribute to that summit.
0: The voice of Ian Dunt, columnist with the i newspaper, and of course, a regular, a regular here on LNL.
1: ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.